Welcome back to Let's Talk Kashrus. We are joined today by Rabbi Shalom Fishbane, Kashrus Administrator of the Chicago Rabbinical Council and Executive Director of ACO, the Association of Kashrus Organizations. Thank you, Rabbi Fishbane, once again. I have to tell you a story. This is a, many, many years ago. I'm talking uh, maybe 12 years ago. We were invited into a factory who wanted to, it's a, it was a large bourbon factory, and they made other spirits. They, were, they had a client in Israel for vodka. They asked us to come in and say, uh, they said to us, um, you know, come in and, and, and certify it's for Israel. What was the pride? is interesting. Because in Eretz Yisrael, the Rabbanut is machmer on Yoshan, so was the wheat or whatever was being used to make the vodka Yoshan. That was really what we were focused on. And I remember we went through, it was a typical uh, factory, typical at least for those in Kashrus that go to these factories, but for everyone else it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Okay, for us it's work. You know, we don't <laughs> get to do the tour part of the uh, distillery. And um, I remember, you know, about, I was getting up from my seat, I said, oh, I forgot to ask you. I sit back down, say, by the way, is this Jewish owned? Mm-hmm. And he looks at me, yeah. I said, do you know if the owners, is it fully Jewish owned? And he got like, well, I can't tell you that. And, um, and I said, do you know if he sold his chametz? He had no idea what I was talking about. It took six months to research if he was really Jewish, not just maybe from his father or mm-hmm. culturally Jewish, but really Jewish. We had to call like senators, because he was a, a big guy and, and a very well-known person in you know, government and whatnot. So we had to call various high-level people that knew him for, as, a, as a boy, whatnot, and um, and we had to do we and we and we had to see is it is it wholly Jewish owned is he really Jewish, and and come to the conclusion that um, that it was a problem, and for a while they thought we were talking about mavushal because they knew that when they donated product to the local federation it always had to be mevushal uh-huh. no no we're not they, this, this halacha chavanshal of a Pesach was no so idea. foreign to them they put, but rabbi it was cooked like no no anyway so it was a fascinating question halacha question I know this the guys in my office know it some of the rabbanim we spoke to know about it but the vast majority doesn't know it so Rabbi Yitzchak let me ask you if I know that this is Chalman Shalva Pesach, and the Chazal made a Gzeira on it, so that you, the owner, should be careful about Hilchas Pesach, but that's for you. Do I have to tell everybody? In, in Brisker, is it a din in the Gav or is it in the Chefset? That was the question. And one of the things Akko has is what we call an Akko Bezdin. We have an Akko Bezdin. We, it doesn't meet often, but when it does meet, boy, is it a serious thing. <laughs> it's the it's the, of the of the major agencies that come together. And I remember uh, convening the be, the Bezin on this, because this was so far-reaching. This would change the bars at all the weddings, because this guy owns so many products. Mm-hmm. And they came to the Maskana that, yes, Chomach of Pesach is so serious in the eyes of Chazal that even though it's just officially was said for the Gavra, but it is on the Chesed, and I have to tell everybody. So, Rabbi Yisrael, can you imagine the call I had to make to this factory? 
Yeah, I just want to follow up on your request to be kosher. <laughs> not only can you not be kosher, but I'm about to tell the world that your entire factory can't be used for, for kosher problems. Boy, did that not go well, okay? Mm -hmm. You can mm -hmm. imagine. You know, sometimes the Rabbani Shalom shows that when you do the right thing, it works out, you know? That's for sure a fact. We don't always see it all the mm -hmm. time, right? This is one of those times that, I don't remember how much long afterwards, the company called us back and said, you know what, we're so impressed with the authenticity. It was such an uncomfortable thing that you did. And it could have had legal ramifications, literal ramification, and you just stuck to the Jewish law. Wow. And he said, what can we do to start making kosher products? Now listen to what, what happened, because this really will shed light on the entire Chalmash Pesach. I said, well, you know, generally, when you have a company that's Jewish-owned, we sell the Chalmats. Okay? He says, tell me how that works. So that you come in, you sign a document for seven days, you sell it over. And he says, and then at the end, he says, well, the, the, the guy buys it back, you know. He looks at me, he says, well, according to federal law, every time I sell Chalmats, or sell... I'm sorry, every time I sell liquor and I buy liquor, if it's a real, a real mm -hmm. sale, I got to pay a tax on the beginning and at the oh, end. Wow. So, okay, so that's going to cost me every Passover $300 million in For taxes. Real? Yeah. Because if it's a bona fide sale. If it's a bona fide sale. I said, well, I start throwing <laughs> some ciphers, religious sale. Listen to this word. Rabbi, is this a real sale or not? Wow. Of course it's a real sale. How could I do it? What a, what, a great, what a great reminder. And that, by the way, let me tell you, so the end of the story was, he says, you know what we're going to do? Every year we're going to put away 100 barrels, and we're going to do a real mechira, yeah. and the guy's going to own it all the way until bottling, and we're going to mark off the bottle that these barrels can't be touched. Mm -hmm. And in 10 years from now, you're going to have authentically kosher, whatever, bourbon, or, you know, you could do a lot of stuff with it. Mm -hmm. that, that's what happened, and that's what we've been doing. As a matter of fact, last week, I went to this factory. And, and Did he have to pay tax on, on that? I mean, no, the, no. I mean, remember, it's, it's, it was a different type of sale. It wasn't okay. like, a, you know, they were selling, they, they weren't selling the bottles. They were, it wasn't the company. It's a different type of, okay. uh, different type of sale, and it was all in-house at this point. Uh -huh. But I want to bring out of that point is, his question to us really sheds light onto the whole Chamashov puzzle, because most of the sales out there are indeed this type of thing. You know, sign here and we'll see you in eight days, right? Now, that could be legitimate if it's done right, but the problem is if the factories or the distributors or the beer companies stay open on Pesach, continue to do business as if that little signing did nothing to them, mm -hmm. It's somewhat of a chuchotzli, it's somewhat of a haroma. Right. And people, are, they want to stay away from it. Now, you had mentioned off-camera something about bourbon, special bourbon with Chamechavalov of Pesach. Right. Why is there more of a concern with bourbon than, let's say, other whiskeys? Good question. The, the answer is, is that bourbon is, um, it's, it's, it's the country where bourbon is American-made, right? Um, so... It happens to be that a large amount of Jewish hands, whether in the distribution 
or in the, uh, the actual bottling or the storing or behind the scenes where a bourbon company that won't, doesn't have the base alcohol will buy it from the Jewish guy down the block and, and redo it. That it's, you know, all of that, it's much more prevalent mm-hmm. than maybe scotch, which is not really a Jewish-owned industry out in Scotland, but it has to be in Scotland, or Irish, industry, uh, Irish whiskey and all of that. So bourbon does have more, as I said, Jewish uh, involvement. And, and actually, the more you know, the less you drink, okay? <laughs> and it's one of those things that, you know, if we get an application for potato chips, you come in today, you watch them take the potato out of the ground, scrub it, slice it, fry it, make sure it's officially a stroll if you're and the next day it's in a bag ready to snack in, uh, in your car, right, and make a mess. Yeah. But um, not, not with bourbon, not with, these things are aged. So when you walk into a factory, you got to figure out, okay, what happened? you got to go back in time. Mm-hmm. And one of the things us, us Mashkichim, we have, you know, you have time machines, I don't know. you got to really recreate, okay, what happened eight years ago? Can I retroactively do this? So that's, but, but particularly with bourbon, it's, it's uh, which is really fascinating. It talks to where we've grown in as far as our, the way we consume things. It used to be, and, you know, anyone Hasidish would appreciate this. Bourbon was the safest mashka. Mm-hmm. There was four ingredients, nothing's changing. It's not as aged as much as, you know, maybe some of these scotches. Right. It was the safest ingredient. And um, it was the safest mashka, and that's the way it was. I have to tell you, uh, it's exploded the industry. We've gotten more knowledge about the industry, and it's not as pushed anymore at all. Mm-hmm. And, and as I just said, it's also much harder to certify. So bourbon is, it could be a problem. You have to know your things. Um, I remember when that, uh, that story I told you where, where we found out something was, uh, was a problem. Um, uh, man from Lakewood, who, you know, little did I realize that there's an industry of people buy barrels and they age it in their own basement. Oh, really? This guy bought several hundred thousand dollars of product in his basement uh, from this Jewish-owned company that never sold their chametz. And um, boy, what an assignment to have. Do I pour it down the drain? Mm-hmm. Are you even allowed to give it, can you give it away? These are real great shilas for a rub. Mm-hmm. Not so posh. Mm-hmm. If you're allowed to give it, you know, how far does it exert? Mm-hmm.